We are currently in a series called The Test. Now, we understand that a test is a procedure designed to reveal both strengths and weaknesses. A test reveals what we know, but it also reveals what we don't know, what we have learned and what we haven't. This past Sunday, as we began this series, we talked about the fact that God tests us. Well, today we're going to talk about the fact that we should test God. We should... What did you say? Pastor, what, what, what did, you, did, did you say that we should test God? Yes, I did. Pastor, where in the world would you get an idea like that? Out of God's book. See, it really wasn't me saying that we should test God. It was actually God who said it. Let's read about it in Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. God says in Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, he says, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Why? So there may be enough food in my house or my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. And I will pour out a blessing so great that you will not have room enough to take it all in. Try it. Put me to the test. In the middle of Malachi chapter 3, God chastises his people for withholding their tithe and their offerings. And God says to them, don't, don't you understand what you are doing to yourselves? You are shooting yourselves in the foot. God is basically saying, you think that tithing, you think that giving offerings, you think they just benefit me, that they only bless my house. No, 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 God says, the tithe and the offerings don't just bless my house, they also bless your house. Some of you need to get a hold of this today, and I'm so excited about these young people that are here today. If you could only get a hold of this principle that we're going to talk about today, I promise you it'll revolutionize your life. I promise you, your life will be much, much, much better. Here's what we need to understand today, and that is tithing is not just a law, it's a principle. Say it's a principle. Tithing is a test of our obedience, but it's also a test of God's faithfulness. The tithe and the offering is a, a principle, and the principle works like this. Give to God, and he will give back to you. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 38, Jesus said, give and you will receive. And he says, your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. And he said, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Jesus was, was just reiterating what, what his father said in Malachi chapter 3. In Malachi chapter 3, God says, if you are faithful with your tithe and faithful with your offering, God says, then I will open the window of heaven's blessings over your life. See, tithing and giving offerings are not just a command. They're not just a law. And by the way, for those of you that think that tithing has been done away with and those of you that think that this is something we don't have to practice anymore, listen, tithes were given before the law, during the law, and after the law. It's not just a law, it's a principle. 
And tithing is not just a principle, but it's a proof. A proof of what, Pastor? It's a proof of genuine love. It's a proof of genuine commitment. It's a proof of complete trust. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus said, where your treasure is or where you invest your money, that's where you will find your heart. Here's what I know, and that is nobody complains about spending money on something they genuinely love. Back to Malachi 3, the people were living in disobedience to God in the area of tithing and offering because their hearts were not right. Because their hearts were not right. They went through all of the rituals of religion, but their hearts were far from God. You say, Pastor, where do you get that? I get that in the very same verse. Look down, drop down to verses 13 and 14, where God says to these very same people, he says, your words have been harsh. Your words have been harsh against me. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? And God this is, says, this is what I've been hearing. This is what you've been saying. God says, you have said it is useless to serve God. You have said, what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance? Here's what I've noticed, and that is when people's hearts become cold toward God, the very first thing they do is stop tithing and giving. Why is that? Why is that? Why why, why is it a fact that when people become cold, their hearts become cold toward God, the very first thing that they do is begin to stop tithing and stop giving? Why why is that? Because, Because our giving is a direct reflection of our heart. Our series is called The Test. We can test the temperature of our heart by examining the direction of our finances. See, see, a man who genuinely loves his wife won't be miserly with her. A man who genuinely loves his children will not constantly be complaining about how much they cost. And hear me, a man who loves his God won't constantly be looking for loopholes where he can feel okay about withholding the tithe and the offering. See, too many people look at tithing all wrong. That's what I really want you to hear about today. And Too many people look at tithing all wrong. They feel they cannot afford to tithe when the truth of the matter is they cannot afford not to. See, I'm trying to help you this morning. I'm trying to help you this morning. See, tithing is the greatest investment that a person can make. There is no other better investment than the investment in the kingdom of God. There's absolutely nowhere else where you can get a return on your investment that even remotely compares with the investment of the tithe. And this is why God is so upset with his people in Malachi chapter 3 because God knows that these people are not only cheating him. Are they cheating God? Yes. He says, you're cheating me. But God knows that these people are not just cheating him. They are cheating themselves. They are not just robbing him. Were they robbing him? Well, God says that they were. But God knew they were not just robbing him. They were robbing themselves. See, tithing is a principle that teaches us that when we bless God's house, he blesses our house. Just look what God says in Malachi chapter 3. God says, test me, test me. So today I want to suggest three areas where we should test God as 
these areas relate to our tithe and our offering. The first test is, and that is, test his promise of provision. Test his promise. God says, test me. Test his promise of provision. Verse 10, God says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there might be food in my house and try me now and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and if I will pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. God promises provision to tithers. Provision, first of all, for his place. Provision for his place. Verse 10, so there, so there might be food in my house. My house, says God. See, the provision for the church, God's house, doesn't come from Federal Express sent down from God from heaven. Provision for God's house comes through the hands of his people as they pay their tithe and give their offering. And and God has always financed his work this way. It's the way that the priests of the Old Testament, they, they lived off of the tithe and the offering of the people. That's the way the prophets of the Old Testament were, were, were supported. They, they were supported off of the offerings of, of the people. That's the way the apostles in the New Testament were supported through the, through the offerings of the people. Jesus, Jesus had a full-time treasurer. We talk about the fact that Jesus, you know, fed the 5,000 with the five loaves and the two fishes. He also took up an offering. He had a full-time treasure. Evidently, he and his staff of 12 were totally supported by the offerings of the people. See, without the tithe and offering of God's people, there would be no provision for his house. We couldn't have a building. We couldn't have the lights on this morning. We couldn't have the sound this morning. We couldn't have the musicians. We couldn't have a full-time pastor and and, and all of these full-time staff members. And we couldn't have all of the things that we have and enjoy and want to have without the tithe and the offering of the people of God. God promised that provision for his house would come through the tithe and the offering. But not just provision for his place but also for his people. Verse 10 again, try me in this, says God, and just see if I will not open for you. For who? See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you. For who? Pour out for you such blessings that you, who? So that you, that you won't have enough room to contain. See, see, the tithe is not just a law, it's a principle. See, the tithe has a double blessing attached to it. Did you know that? The tithe has a double blessing attached to it. It it, it doesn't just bless God's house, but it also blesses our house. It doesn't just provide provision for God's place, but also for God's house. People. Now, can I explain it? No. Does it add up logically? No. But here's what I know and what I've found out, and that is God's economy is different than our economy. And God's math is different than our math. You know, our math says two plus two is four, but God doesn't use our math to send his blessing and provide his provision. 
Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to find a loophole. Living for God is a walk of faith. Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. I've done the math. I've done the figures. You've done your math. You haven't done God's math. Because God's math and God's economy is not like ours. And God says, test me. Test me. Try this out. See for yourself. I turn 64 tomorrow. I know you don't believe that. I I turn 64 tomorrow. I've been tithing and giving offerings for nearly 60 years. I tithed on the very first dollar I received. And for nearly 60 years, I've been tithing and giving offerings. Listen, you might have an argument, but I have an experience. I said, you might have an argument. You might have found yourself some loophole, but I've got an experience. I've done the test, and it works. It works. You can't afford to tithe. I can't afford not to. I've proven God. I've tested God, and he he has passed the test. And why are we arguing about 10%? That's the minimum. That's the minimum. Listen, you, you say you can't afford to tithe. I say I can't afford not to. I can't afford to miss out on the blessings that come back to me. And forget about me and forget about my needs for a second. I love God's house. I don't just love my house. I love love God's house. I've been raised in God's house. I've been in God's house my entire life, and I love God's house. And because I love God's house, I, I I don't want God's house to go without the provision that it needs. And I know that the only way that the provision for God's house is going to be met is going to be met through the tithe of the people. And because I love, not just so I can get a blessing, but because I'm in love with God's house. I'm in love with God. I'm in love with his ministry. I'm in love with what God can do for people. And because I'm in love with God's house, I want to tithe to bless God's house. Haggai chapter 1 and verse 4, God says, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruin? Whoa. Not only should we test God's promise of provision, test his promise of protection. Verse 11, God says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground or the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. God promises protection to tithers. First of all, he protects our property. Protects our property. He protects our stuff. Verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. What is that? That is protection. He's protecting our property. Tithers, listen, do you know tithers have the right to pray a hedge of protection around all that is there? I do it nearly every single day. I pray a hedge of protection around me, around my wife, around my kids, around my grandkids, around all of my extended family, around our staff. As a tither, we have the right to pray a hedge of protection. We have the right to believe that God is going to bring protection to our property. 
But not only does God promise to protect our property, he also promises he protects us from the predator. Verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer. Who's the devourer? John 10 and 10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Who's the thief? Job 1 and 10, Job says to God about Job, Satan says to God about Job, you built a hedge around him and you built a hedge around his house and you built a hedge around everything that he has and I can't get to him. Well, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, devil. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are Abel, God promises protection to tithers. He promises to protect our property. He promises to protect us from Satan, the predator. God says, test me now in this. Not only should we test God's promise of provision and God's promise of protection, but God challenges us to test his promise of prosperity. Pastor prosperity, yes. Verse number 10, God says, I will will pour out on you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it all. Luke 6 and 38 that we read earlier, Jesus said, give, and it's going to be given back to you, but how's it going to come back? It's going to come back. Jesus said, good measure, pressed down, uh, shaken together and running over, shall men pour into your lap. Two things we need to understand here. Number one, God is the God of plenty. God is the God of plenty. Psalm 24 and verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Matthew 14 and 20, where it talks about Jesus feeding the 5,000 families all-you-can-eat lunch with five loaves and two fish. The Bible says in verse number 20 of Matthew 14, they all ate as much as they wanted, and there were 12 baskets full of leftovers. You think those disciples were pinching off just a little bit? You hope we got enough to go around? Just, you know, do we go? Jesus is going to show them, hey, guys, I'm not, you know, listen, I'm a God of plenty. Hear me this morning. God is not the God of barely get by. I said God is not the God of barely get by. He's the God of abundant supply. He's the God of plenty. He's the God of more than enough. Not only did five loaves and two fish feed 5,000 families, but not only was it enough, but it was more than enough. You're wringing your hands. You're walking the floor at night. You're wondering if you're going to have enough, you know, to, to, to see you through, enough to barely get you by. Listen, God is not a God of barely get by. He's a God of abundant supply. Amen. He's not just a God of enough. He's the God of more than enough. He's a God that can not only feed 5,000 families all you can eat, but he'll also have 12 baskets of Leftovers, left over. Philippians 4 19 says, My God shall supply all your needs. Say all. My God shall supply all your need according to, according to what? According to America's economy? According to the latest Dow Jones average? No, no, no. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Hear me this morning. God is the God of plenty. He is the God of plenty. But don't forget this, and that is God has a purpose for our prosperity. 
He has a purpose for our prosperity. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, the Bible says if someone has enough money to live well and he sees a brother or a sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in them? Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions prove that we belong to Christ. May I add also, or if we don't. The Bible says our actions show or prove that we belong to Christ, I would add, or that we don't. Now let me be, let me be abundantly clear on this third point. This word prosperity simply means having more than we need. Not telling every one of you ought to be living in a mansion and driving a Rolls Royce and, and taking uh, three vacations a year, you know, three weeks. I'm, I'm not, listen, listen, what I'm teaching is simply this, and that is I'm teaching that tithers and givers who are consistent in this area can expect God to not only supply their needs, but he all, they can also expect God to give them more than they need. And say this, and this more... Say, and this more is not just for me. And this more is not just for me. I'm going to say it again. What I'm teaching is that tithers and givers who are consistent in this area can expect God to not only supply their needs, but give them more than they need. But this more is not just for me. If I have more than I need, then I have something I can share with others. If I'm barely getting by, I can't share with others. If I barely scratch even at the end of every month, I don't have anything to share. But, but, but if I have more than I need, if I am prospering, which simply means I have more, I might be a lot more, it might be a little more, but I have more than I need. If I have more than I need and I see my brother, I see my sister in need, then I, out of what I have left over, out of the 12 baskets that are full, I can minister to them. But instead, we just buy a bigger house and a bigger car and get ourselves right back to where we always were. Hello? Testing, one, two, three. If I have more than I need, amen, if I have more than I need, then that means I have more to give with. More to give with. I'm, my wife and I are giving 25% of our gross, of my gross salary, 25%, not a tithe, 25, I'm not, listen, oh, pastor's bragging, I'm not bragging, I'm telling you, I'm not just preaching something to you, I'm telling you something that I've lived my entire life, I'm trying to help you, I'm trying to bless you, and I know somebody's going to get mad at me today, but that's okay, I'll take it, people have been mad at me, my whole ministry for this, but I'm trying to help you. It's a principle. Not some law that we got to check off that we did. I guess I won't go to hell now because I wrote my check. No. You're looking at it wrong. God said he'd open the windows of heaven over your life. He said he'd provide for you. He said he'd protect you. He said he would prosper you. Listen, the more... The more we have, the more we have to give with. But watch out, watch out. The more we give, the more it comes back. Well, you either believe it or you don't, and I know many of you don't believe it. How do I know that? Your actions. 
And I'm not here to chastise or make you feel bad. I'm here to challenge you. I'm here to help you. Amen? You can't outgive God. You can't get ahead of God. He said, you give something, he said, I'm going to give it back to you. But I'm not just going to give you back what you gave. He said, I'm going to give back to you with interest. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's going to come back to you. Why? So I can have a bigger house and a bigger car? No. And listen, there's nothing wrong with having a nice house and a nice car. And there's nothing wrong with increasing your living as long as you're also increasing your giving. Hello? Amen. If I have more, I have more to give with. But then when I give more, what little bit here it comes back. And so we give even more. But watch out, the giving boomerang will work again. God says, test me in this. I wish I had time to talk about the prerequisite of consistency in tithing. See, a lot of people have tried it and said it don't work. Well, you've got to try it for more than every other week for a month. Consistency. Consistency. When you see it coming back and when you don't see it coming. Consistency. God's testing you. He's testing your obedience. Consistency, not hit and miss, not try it for three weeks and quit because, you know, it it, it didn't work like a slot machine. And I wish I had time to talk about the fact that even if you're a tither, you still have to manage your money wisely. Well, I tithe, but I'm still month to month. Well, you need to examine what's happening month to month. It ain't good. promise you, if you're a tither, the problem is not what's coming in, the problem, and, and you're not making it, the problem is what's going out. Listen, you can make six figures a year, you can make $100,000 a year, you spend $105,000, you are still broke. Now, you look better than most broke people. <laughs> you're living better than most broke people, but you're still broke. So it's not just... There's a message that I preached. I have to bring it back again because it's a good message. And it says, I tithe. Why am I still broke? Well, one reason is, are you really tithing? Are you really tithing or are you tipping? Number two, are you consistent? Are you hit and miss? Number three, what are you doing with that that's coming back to you? What are you doing with the 90% that's left over? Which I had 30 minutes or an hour to teach on that. Amen. I get some help on the platform this morning, please. The takeaway for the message is this, and that is God challenges us to test him. God challenges us to test him. God says, test me. God said, this is what I'm willing to do for you. Test me and see. If you test me and see, and I don't do what I said I would do, then you can call me a liar, and you don't have to do it. Test me, God says. Try me. Try it out. Our takeaway, God challenges us to test him, and he will always pass the test. He will always pass the test. And see what you don't understand, well, most of you do that know me. I'm a tightwad. 
I mean, I squeeze Washington so hard that tears come out of his eyes. And yet I give 25% of my income to God. Does that sound like a tightwad? Well, I'll tell you something. I'm tight with everything besides God and my family. But I've proven God. I've proven Him. Proven. I'm not trying to increase the offerings of the church. We're not in trouble financially, so I better preach this so I can get a bigger offering. And No. No. Will it help God's house? Yeah, it sure will. He said, he said it'll provide the need of the house, of my house, God says. But not only will it, will it bless my house, but God says it'll bless your house. And so today what I'm really, really trying to do this morning, that is I'm trying to be a blessing to your house, to your house. So try it, try it, try it. There are pastors, and I won't name names, but there are pastors that, that preach about this, and then they tell their people, try it for three months, and if it doesn't work, I'll give you all your money back. And I thought about doing that, because I believe that if you really, first of all, if you really do it for three months, every single time you're paid, you do it for three months, that, that, that no one will ask for their money back. And these pastors have said they've never had anybody ask for their money back. Why don't you do it, Pastor? Because it's not my money to give back. And so even though I've thought about that, I thought, man, that's kind of cool, you know, and that might get somebody going, and I really, really thought about doing it, and then I had a check that said, it ain't your money to give back. And I'm not, and I didn't give any names, and I'm not pointing fingers, I'm just telling you that's, that's just my conviction. I'll tell you, if you'll try it for three months and try it for three months and, and be wise with your money, I promise you, you'll do better on 90% than you ever did 